Hello, hello, it's Enrico here. Welcome to the fifth episode of Synesthesia. If you were wondering the reason behind this uh, two-week hiatus, we've been working hard to record some other episodes, making sure that the final outcome is as enjoyable as it's always been from season one, episode one. Thanks for your wait, we promise it was worth it. So, if you've been following this second season from our first episode, featuring legend uh, Robert Beatty, you already know the drill. Though we are happy to explain it all over again for those who just found out about our show. First of all, Synesthesia has a fresh new co-host, a designer, art director, and most notably good friend of mine, Raissa Pardini. Whoa, hello everyone. Ciao Raissa, how are you doing? Yeah, good thanks, always good, always, always, always good. So do you want to give the second piece of news uh, to the audience? Yes, so the second piece of news is that uh, we are now part of the Standard Hotel's Sometimes Radio. We are recording from that studio at the Library Lounge here in London, right opposite St Pancreas Station. I wish you could see the street view because, you know, we can have access to that from the radio booth and it's beautiful. It's energizing, isn't it? It's 7pm in London and we can catch the sunset sky from here. It's uh, buzzing outside, isn't it? It is, and it's so great that we don't go out of work and it's dark. So let's uh, introduce our fifth guest, uh, who's unfortunately not in London, because uh, she's uh, picking up this call from uh, Los Angeles. Yes, so synesthesia lovers, I'm really proud to announce our next guest today, Imogen Strauss, live from Los Angeles. Um, Imogen Strauss is a creative director who has been shaking up the music industry from many different angles. Um, I can't wait to dive into her super hot collaboration with Charlie XCX and then the 10-year-long artistic um, friendship with Blood Orange. Synesthesia, a show about the creatives who are shaping the aesthetics of music. We chat to the minds behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and styling of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Synesthesia, the artists behind the artists. Welcome to Synesthesia, Imogen. How are you today? Is it sunny in LA? I mean, it feels like a, <laughs> we know the answer. <laughs> it is sunny in LA, but actually one day this week it rained a lot. So it's extra nice out because the air feels super clean and everything's really green. So yeah, it's a pretty nice day here. Imogen, you know that I stalked uh, your Instagram profile <laughs> and uh, I scrolled back all the way down to exactly 10 years ago, April 2012. And uh, I found this picture of um, Dev Vines on uh, his back with uh, his arms wide open, looking at his own shadow in front of a projector. But before talking about um, the vines, so I believe that was uh, the beginning of your career, Raissa and I would like to get to know more about you as a teenager and generally speaking the stuff you were into music wise. Yeah, so when I was a teenager I grew up in New York City. My dad 
dad is a DJ. I feel like I had a particularly like close connection to music my whole life. Whether I wanted to or not, I feel like I kind of tried to rebel against his music taste sometimes, but it just landed me like being interested in other music. He definitely like gave me a lot of like classic rock and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and all those things kind of trying to like give me a foundation. I was always really into pop music. I like loved the Spice Girls. That was my first concert. I loved Britney Spears. Um, but as I got a little bit older and I was a teenager in high school, I got, I kind of like thought that some of the stuff my dad was giving me was cool again. That I was also really into like Air and Phoenix and like kind of like French music for yes. a while. Phoenix are still one of my favorite bands. Air is one of mine as well. You just dropped a couple of amazing names there. My friends in high school were very in, they all had like, well, I had one group of friends that had like a, they could have been like a Rolling Stones cover band, but they made their own music, but it like sounded just like the Rolling Stones and they would like dress like the Rolling Stones. And that was kind of the scene that I was in. And I feel like in high school, I kind of like rejected my pop roots a bit, even though I like still really loved pop music secretly. I also kind of after that sort of like rebelled against like being in the creative world, especially as a career prospect for a while like both my parents are so it was definitely like in me and I when I went to college I decided I was going to be a physics major um and kind of wanted to just do something different why I can't I don't really know I like can't really because <laughs> when I got there I like hated math so much that I like immediately switched paths, um, but still didn't go really into the arts. I ended up being a psychology major in college and I was very like confused what I wanted to do with my life. I was always still the girl who like, you know, made my room at school was like the party room. Like I had the best sound system and I was the one who was like digging for all types of different cool music. And I, my room was decorated like really cool. And so like, I think I, that was always in me, but from, from a like career perspective, I never really understood where I could go because I didn't play music. I didn't paint or draw or have any like specific skill. I was kind of lost at that time. Like I always had taste and interest and I think like my friends leaned on me a lot for that kind of stuff. And I always was the one being like, let's go to this concert and let's do this. But I feel like I didn't really know where I could put that energy as a job until later. So did uh, visual icons or, you know, inspirations uh, from the past and the present times, did they help you shaping um, this new idea of you and, you know, becoming what, what, what you became, a creative director and a set designer? Uh, how did that came about? Yeah, I think I can't really like think of like one particular person. I think growing up in New York, like there was so many different interesting characters around me all the time and just so many artists and stuff that I was a fan of. Um, I had like a lot of like art and culture thrown at me all the time. I went to see a lot of plays and theater and um, just like a such a vast variety of influences. Um, I wouldn't say that I had like one or like even a few people or things that I was just like, this is, these are the ones that made it for me. And I feel like 
that's part of why I am the way I am a bit. Like, I don't think that I have a specific style actually when it comes to my work. Like, I think there's just a lot there that like, that I ultimately like extract from the people that I'm working with. If we think about visual arts, so let's say painting, movies, design, any names that have been important in your past. I feel like the first movie that I saw when I was a kid that kind of like made me really think about visual things and like how thought goes into movies and stuff. I feel like a lot of movies I saw when I was younger are very like, okay, this is a movie like about people on the street. And I really didn't think about like oh wow there's a lot of like intention gone into each one of these shots i think the first movie that really like made me think about that was um blow up by antonioni the graphicness of that and the colors and just like the way that it was shot was so unique from anything else i had ever seen that really like changed the way i think about Thinking about the cover of that movie, there is a, there is a sense and overall feeling of very photographic. Uh, yes, also of some of the new work you've been uh, doing recently. That's funny that you say that. I've never thought about that, but interesting. That kind of poster. Uh... This is turning into a therapy session in which the <laughs> subconscious uh, comes out. Uh, but we will talk about that. Um, it's funny soon. that you mentioned Antonioni because um, I, as a designer, got a lot of inspiration from his architecture all the time. And um, either you see it or not, um, because it's one of those things that it just stumble on you, right? From the film, it's, it's fascinating how much a film can, can be different for everyone and uh, just uh, have different inspiration for each person, right? That's like the most striking one that I remember from a very young age being uh, drawn to. And in terms of influences, we know that also the clubbing scene has been a big part of your life so far. You know, having a DJ father, him teaching me how to DJ, me just loving to dance and hear DJs, having dated DJs, just like DJ club culture is just so ingrained in me and the aesthetics of it as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely such an important part of my life. I think, you know, I have the like classic house New York um, influences and references from my dad. Um, and then a lot of people I met in New York and worked with in New York. I worked at DFA with James Murphy and for a while when I was like just out of college and then, you know, coming to London and meeting all the PC music people and having more of that side of the clubbing experience. And yeah, just like what that means as a community and an aesthetic has been very important to me. Yeah, it feels like in the creative mind, you know, uh, photography, cinema, fashion is something that um, you just take a spin off um, and, and you're looking for an aesthetic, right? So it seems that all of this was in you. When was the time that you turned all of this creativity that you already have had in you and you started working with it, making a living out of it? So when I started working with Dev and Solange, I was very young and I was actually working with them as a management assistant, which then turned into me becoming their, both of their full managers. And I started my own management company, which was something I never thought I would do or wanted to do. It just kind of like happened. It just kind of fell into my lap and felt like something that I wasn't going to say no to. And I also really loved and believed in both of them as artists. I thought they were like such incredible artists and I wanted to be a part of their world, their vision. I think part of the reason they really loved me was not because I had any sort of like 
uh, credibility or management experience because I didn't have either of those things, but they liked that I understood their creative vision and that I was going to do everything and anything to fight for that and maintain that. And um, I think ultimately, though I wouldn't say I was their creative director at all, I think they both in most ways were their own creative directors. I definitely like played some of the roles that a creative director does play because they didn't have creative directors. Yeah, and then when I decided, I had a business partner and he was more of the business side of things. Um, he ultimately left to do cryptocurrency stuff. And when he did that, I was kind of like, I can't do this anymore. Um, I don't want to be in charge of the business thing. So I shut down the company. And then I actually worked at Boiler Room for a year, which is kind of skinny. <laughs> then I, that ended and I actually came to London for a month to hang out with a friend of mine while I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I knew I wanted to do something more creative, but I just like could not figure out what that was and was really struggling with it. And while I was there, I ran into Willow Perone, who is a, another creative director who does Rihanna and Jay-Z, blah, blah, blah. And we ended up talking about my interests and what I wanted to do and what I liked. And we saw a bunch of art and he ended up hiring me. So when I, and he lived in LA, so I came back to LA and then that's when I moved here. It was to work for him in LA. And I think you know, I had a lot of ideas and references and things, and he kind of taught me how I, how to like put those into motion in as a creative director and learn the like technical aspects of how to make a mood board that really makes sense, not just like feels random, you know, like that is very like concise and to the point. Um, and then I learned a lot about stage design while I was there too. Um, and then when I left, I was able to take all those things and do them on my own. That was kind of the trajectory. What an amazing journey. Yes, uh, that sounds uh, like a great journey. Very, very inspiring. Imogen, in an ideal scenario, we will be keep chatting for hours uh, and you will take us through all the super cool projects uh, you worked on throughout these 10 years as a creative director with artists such as Solange, as you said, but also Clio, for instance. However, we only have uh, about uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes together. So we need to focus only on two collaborations. Uh, and Rice and I picked the, um, the first one and the latest one, Devines and Charlie XCX. So talking about uh, Blood Orange, who is one of our favorite artists, uh, we've noticed that uh, like about 50% uh, of the pictures on your Instagram feed feature him. We believe that there is something beyond uh, a professional relationship. It's a friendship. And we want to know how this uh, friendship has evolved and how your way of working together has uh, changed across these years. So yeah, as I said, I started as his management assistant, then became his manager. Um, you know, we spent all our time together at that point. It was like, he was my whole life and I like really just believed in everything he did and does and was there to support him the whole way through and built my company around him. And when that ended, it ended on very like amicable terms of me just not knowing that I didn't want to be a manager anymore and him being very, very understanding of that. Um, and also me handing 
over the reins to my assistant at the time, who is now Deb's manager. So it kind of stayed all in the family and we're all still very close. And when I moved to LA and started doing creative direction and stage design, when Dev did his next tour after that, um, I did creative direction and stage design for that. And I did some merch for him, but Dev does a lot of the creative on his own. And, you know, we always did it as like a team. It was like a music video. It's like, okay, like, Dev's going to come up with the concept and we're going to like build everything around it and make it happen. And it was very like all hands on deck. And I think like we made really amazing stuff because of it and also really like created a bond between all of us that was quite strong. And I'm still very close with all those people. Yeah, it's a nice uh, synergy. I think that he will like always be a part of my life and my creative like journey. It's really sweet. It's great. <laughs> I mean, most friendship. emotional, most emotional moment <laughs> on synesthesia so far. Yeah, friendship and music is just something that is another level of feelings, isn't it? It's just beautiful. Um, but among all the projects that you work on together, what was your uh, favorite one? What was the most exciting moment for you? Hmm, that's tough. I mean, probably tied between some of the music videos we made. I'm trying to think of one in particular. Like we would just make them like all over New York, like and just run around and shoot specific things that Deb wanted to get, um, which were always fun. I would say though, doing his show at the Apollo in Harlem was like really, really special. And we spent a lot of time making it what we wanted it to be. We were like, we're just going to make this show everything and put our all into it. And that was one of the last things that we did together also. So it was very like, it was special. Imogen, when you look at him from your creative director's eyes, what do you see in him that's so special as an artist? How has he become such an icon? And how would you describe his effortless coolness i mean i feel like i'm always drawn to artists with a very specific vision of their own which i think a lot of creative directors actually don't like to do as much because they want kind of like a blank slate or someone who is going to let them do whatever they want to do i feel like i'm very much a collaborator and i think i make my best work when i'm working with someone who has very authentic ideas to themselves but also is a very is very trusting and I think that's something he is like he knows what he wants but he is also he like seeks out the people in his life that he trusts and who he feels understand his vision and he's also very good at communicating what that is um, which I think makes him really special and makes everything he does feel very specific to him. That's um, that's kind of creating a bridge to the next uh, collaboration that we're going to talk, uh, the next artist we're going to talk tonight about, and Charlie XCX. Uh, I guess it was a similar vibe, uh, probably looking for the same kind of thing. Uh, what was the first project that you worked on together? We did a series of single covers for songs that came out, I believe in 2019, um, that were shot by Andrew Thomas Huang, who later did the FK Twig cellophane video, who's an amazing photographer and director. But yeah, that was actually the first time we worked together. We barely knew each other. 
And I wouldn't even say we really clicked at that moment. And I don't think she would either, but <laughs> it was the first time we worked together. Um, and then we kind of got to know each other socially after that, before we began working together again. She is also an extremely, extremely visionary artist who knows what she wants and is also very trusting and communicative. And yeah, I think we just have a really good brainwave. We also have a lot of very like similar interests and tastes and um, we love a lot of the same music. And I think there there is a really special synergy and relationship there that I have really enjoyed. I believe so. And looking at the artworks, it seems that both of you are quite uh, eclectic. You talked, uh, you told us uh, about your background, listening to any kind of music, really. And thinking about Charlie XCX, uh, if we look at the um, covers you worked on uh, along with her for um, her new singles, Baby, New Shapes and Bang For You, we see how um, her image has uh, been portrayed through a very different frame. If we think about uh, Charlie from 2019 and uh, how I'm feeling now, 2020, in the former we see a sort of a futuristic cyborg version of her. The latter is much more uh, homemade, DIY, natural and lo-fi. Whereas in this one, so for uh, Baby, New Shades, Back For You and ultimately the album crash we see a sort of a, we called it a diva rebranding so i didn't work on the two previous releases charlie or how i'm feeling now i started working with her over a year ago now on this campaign which was a very intentional decision on her part to do the the pop thing but also to make it not feel like everybody else's pop thing and that was kind of the challenge for us was like, how do we go pop and do pop, but also make it feel elevated, unique and special to Charlie, which I think comes across in like all everything that she does from visuals to music, to clothing, to everything. She's pretty, I think, unique artist and is also, you know, she can write a song like, I don't care, I love it by Icona Pop, but she chooses not to for her own music, <laughs> for her, the, her own things that she releases. Um, and when she played me Crash for the first time, I was like, this is incredible. It's like so pop and everything I want, but also still feels so unique and like special. And I don't want to use the word alternative, but like alternative in a way, you know, I think it, it has all those elements of exactly what I like about pop music. And I think that something that I've always like I said before I love pop music I've always been such a pop music fan but I've always been so turned off by the visual side of pop music so to be able to and I think that's changed more recently I think there are a lot more artists pop artists doing really cool things visually now but I think you know when I was younger it was less like that and I think yeah that was definitely the intention we set on this album yeah, I feel that from a design and a visual point of view, uh, you know, you, you mentioned something like um, the Antonioni. We, we were talking about the Antonioni posters and uh, we briefly talked about the cinema posters, 
But um, in terms of like a mood board and references to, to anything that could have inspired you uh, for this, what was in the mood board? Well, Crash, the movie, um, was a big one, obviously. Showgirls was definitely a big one, especially for Baby and a lot of like the dance and choreo aspects of things. Um, and the live show, especially, which has just, the tour has just started. I looked at a lot of like old Playboy magazines also. We definitely wanted to feel more high-end and fashion on this album than previously. So I think looking a lot of vintage editorial stuff, some good horror movie stuff definitely in there. Um, the darker side of things, you know, you know, film as a whole was definitely like a big influence and just making all the music videos feel very cinematic and less music video um, and picking very like specific color palettes to work within that kind of stuff. It came to mind something that if I keep seeing in the, in artists that move to LA, but they are not native from LA. Uh, you know, you've been from New York, Charlie from London, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I've someone else that come to mind, Nadia Lee Cohen, you know, it seems that LA does that effect where um, you act, obviously you live there, but you act like a tourist and you can appreciate the beauty of uh, what cinema and what a cinematic color palette and uh, what history is in LA in terms of graphics. Do you think that that's actually inspired you as well as, you know, uh, being taken into LA as Charlie actually, and really appreciating deep down what what you observe, um, you know, as being newer to the city? Yeah, definitely. I think that is a influence that like I haven't really thought about, but probably is very real. I think that the way that the like culture, especially work culture functions here is like everybody works in film or production or entertainment on some level. And it just kind of like opens up a lot of opportunity, I think, for you to think more in that realm. Where in New York, I feel like my references were more art world and fashion world references. And coming here, it just lends towards like making things that feel like films. <laughs> Yes, I mean, uh, uh, there is a different light uh, outside in LA. Definitely. It would be a shame not to use it. <laughs> Even though if I think about the video of uh, new shapes with um, the two icons, uh, queer icons, uh, Caroline Polacek and Christine and the Queens, uh, that video probably is the only one out of the album that looks more New York than LA, doesn't it? Yes, I mean that one's supposed to feel like it's shot on a TV set. Yeah, yeah, it's like supposed to feel like a late night show kind of vibe. So it does feel pretty New York. So how did you approach that one? And also, what what do you think is the thread that connects these uh, three artists, who are possibly uh, the coolest uh, <laughs> trio? Artist, yeah, the coolest trio right now. I mean, I think that's partially the connection. I think like. They are all so doing such unique things in pop music and really challenging themselves to think outside the box of what pop can be. And I think when that comes together, what it makes is something really incredible. New Shapes is one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, I just like love all their parts together. And I think it's, it's just such a great song. And I like feel like I like over listened to it so much. And then I was like, I'm not going to listen to it. And then I started listening to it again, working on this tour. And I was like, wow, this song is so good. And it does not get old actually. Like I could just listen to it constantly. 
you mentioned the tour and uh, I am assuming we are assuming that you did the set design for Charlie XCX tour didn't you yes. tell us more about uh, your work as a director of a show and a set designer using this example of uh, the new Charlie XCX tour that's also coming to London Soon. and uh, we know by a fact that there will be an after party somewhere somewhere close to us somewhere tour stuff and stage design and show direction has become one of my favorite things that I do um I think that like obviously I love all elements of creative direction and I find them satisfying in their own ways but there's something about tour and being able to like really you spend a lot of time prepping it and you can really get into like the micro details of everything and then at the end you actually get to see how people react and feel to it and like watch this very like visceral human reaction to something you created as opposed to pretty much everything else which you only can experience what they think about it online and by likes and comments online which it just doesn't give you the same sort of like rush for me at least that a live show does so yeah that's live shows for me in general i think with this show or with every show i definitely start with my references that are just not ever almost never stage references they're usually just things that i like and that feel in the world of the artist that we've created whether those are like architectural references or sculptural references or even movie references and fashion references those are usually the beginnings of that and Charlie, one thing she had wanted on this show was columns, and that was kind of the starting point, which has become, it is a part of the show, but the show has kind of like built itself in a pretty unique way around it. We decided we want to choreography, and so I thought a lot about that in designing the set and how we can make a set that felt interesting and unique for choreo and not just like the same as every other pop girl. <laughs> Something that they could react to in the choreography. Very Vegas, isn't it? Very 80s Vegas, yes, for sure. The show definitely has some showgirls. I love that you put uh, your hands in literally everything with your creativity. That must have been like, as you say, challenging at first because you didn't really know which direction to take, almost being overwhelmed with um, so many ideas that you had uh, at, at the time that you started. But you know, I do feel that in the last um, couple of years, Creative learned that we could um, work with many different platforms, uh, skills, views, um, and it seems that the you know, before um, the industry was a very role-driven industry and now creative finally start to, uh, the creative world finally start to lose up a little bit. So it gives more space to multidisciplinary artists like you um, that can bring so much in. Did you notice this shift? And do you think that this shift helped you, uh, helped your pra practice to thrive? Definitely. I don't think I like noticed it necessarily as it was happening, but I think in retrospect and looking around now at so many like successful artists like Charlie, Rosalia, Twigs, all these artists who have really like pushed Solange, Blood Orange, like artists who have 
been very firm in what they want to do and not follow the rules despite being told over and over again that what they were going to wanted to do would never work and i think there's been a real cultural shift in from wanting a cookie cutter artist to fans and kids demanding that their artists be more interesting than that and that they be more challenging than that and i think yes that has definitely helped my career as well these artists uh, you mentioned you depicted them almost as pioneers of the future of music we would like to hear your view on how music is gonna look like in uh, 10 years. I think that it's definitely going in the direction of the more different and out there and interesting you can be while obviously still being great and the better. People are tired of getting the same thing regurgitated to them over and over again. And I think it's still a slow shift because you definitely still get a lot of really boring radio pop, but I think, and hope that in 10 years from now that could really drastically change to the point where those artists that I listed and more are the ones that are on the charts and even you know Charlie had her first top 10 album with this record um, in the U.S. and top and number one album in the UK um, which is something that like I I mean as much as we like wanted and hoped for that I don't think we ever could have imagined that that could have been the case with an album that is still even though yes it is pop music it's it's very not cookie cutter pop music big up big up massive congrats very very massive nice one (laughs) Yeah, I feel like also like keep being inspired and keeping, you know, yeah, just constantly inspired with uh, trends and stuff. How do you do that? Um, How do you keep up to date? I think it's a balancing act of like kind of ingesting information constantly and like watching as many movies as I can and finding new art books and going to see art and being in inspiring situations, reading books, etc. And then also, you know, taking time to kind of digest that stuff and create things and not constantly overwhelming my stuff, myself with intake of new things and old things and whatever things, um, but kind of giving my brain time to kind of just create and come up with ideas maybe that aren't coming from references as well and um, finding the balance between those two things constantly. And then also giving myself some time to watch like garbage TV as well as as like a palate cleanser, you know? I Imogen, from your answer, we can uh, infer somehow a wiser approach to your profession as a yes. creative director. A very healthy. Would you think would you think that your answer would have been the same at the beginning or in the middle of your career? So like let's say five years ago. Probably not. I definitely was more of a like, okay, need to find more, 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 more. I need to constantly intake everything. And I think that I learned that that wasn't actually letting me come up with really great ideas. It was more of just letting me regurgitate things. I think a healthy brain is um, is giving a stronger 
a stronger creative outcome anyway so like you say looking after your time looking after what you do and know what you need if it's a garbage tv or like a beautiful film or is switching off or just being active then it's up to you right like you got the answer to make yourself yeah i got a dog last year and i feel like that really forced me to like go on walks when i wouldn't have before and like just be alone with my thoughts for a while which has been really good for me oh dogs are amazing yeah same <laughs> also the power of walking for creative minds uh, is uh, renowned even better See? with a dog <laughs> we are almost done um, imogen we need to close with our columns the first one is uh, word on the street we would like to know whether there was an artist that you would love to collaborate with I mean, I'd love to work with Rosalia. I think she's so cool. Amazing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's great. She was uh, recently here at King's Cross Station where she met with... Uh, ah, yeah, with the Francis, train uh, guy. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. With the Francis Bourgeois. And they were, they were here at the Standard. Yes, oh, at the rooftop. Everything comes back to the Standard. Yes, everything <laughs> comes back to the Standard. Fingers crossed for you, yeah, Imogen. Hopefully we'd love you to will... see that happening for sure. We got another one, uh, another of our column called Flavors. The last one. Uh, the last one, and then that's it for us. Flavors. Uh, we would like to ask if you have a favorite Instagram page and a recommended spot in Los Angeles. It can be anything there is this one instagram page i really like called bizarre columns and it just has photos of columns and they're all really cool i don't i don't know it i can't wait to dive in that instagram page yeah so check that one out and then as far as places in la i mean honestly i've been just very into nature lately and i feel like i was like i was saying before with walking and like the best ideas just coming to me and me just feeling at my most uh mentally well and creative happens in nature and there's a hike i go to in altadena um called the mount low trailhead and that would probably be my spot right now we'll make sure we'll be there next time imogen uh, i also have uh, something to recommend you because uh, there is uh, this um, artist from sardinia where i'm from He's a photographer, his name is uh, Jaime Meloni, and recently he shot a cover picture for Domus, which is the most influential architecture magazine basically in the world. And he has uh, this uh, photography project uh, about columns. Uh, he's obsessed <laughs> with columns as well. If you check uh, uh, the astra, uh, hashtag on Instagram, columns of cultures, you can find uh, his uh, pictures and then uh, check his work out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Imogen. It was our pleasure. Uh, yeah, it, it's been great. Thank you so much for sharing all the stories with us and we look forward to see you soon in London, hopefully. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artists behind the artists, a show recorded from the standard London Library Lounge, produced by Sometimes Radio. Subscribe to our Spotify channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.